You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I cover the Chicago Bears for NBC Sports Chicago, and I cover the NFL for Pro Football Focus. Locked on Bears is your podcast destination for daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. And today, we're going to have a more serious conversation about the possibility of the Chicago Bears signing Kareem Hunt. But it's not as much focused on the football side of that potential roster move, but more the off-field side, that everything that comes with uh, a player with this type of background. So I'll be joined by a licensed clinical social worker, Daniel Simpkins, who also happens to be a, uh, a fantasy football writer for football guys and a few other places and uh, a Tennessee Titans fan. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about his experience working with domestic abusers, people who have been accused of these types of crimes and more, and we'll talk about how teams in the NFL may or may not be suited to handle these types of players and and how treatment and rehabilitation works in these situations. I really do think this is an extremely important conversation here with Daniel. We're going to cover a lot of great stuff, a lot of just Really, you know, even outside of football and the Chicago Bears, but it all ties back into the football team you know and love. So I really appreciate everyone who tunes in for this episode. I hope it is insightful. I hope you maybe learn something and come away with a little bit of a different perspective on mental health, domestic abuse, and both sides of, and really every side of these sad situations. Joining us now on Locked on Bears is Daniel Simpkins. He's a writer for Football Guys, writing about fantasy football, particularly IDP and Dynasty. But in his day job, he is a licensed clinical social worker and a therapist. And full disclosure, I I heard Daniel have this type of a discussion with Matt Waldman on Matt Waldman's RSP cast. This was back in December after the initial news about Kareem Hunt's uh, video surfaced back then. And so I, I'm hoping we can recreate some of that here and, and steal a little bit of, of what you guys had talked about back then. But I think it applies particularly now to the Chicago Bears as this Kareem Hunt situation pops up. So Daniel, first of all, how are you doing this evening? Doing great. Um, I'm very thankful to be on the podcast and uh, really excited about talking about this subject with you. Well, first of all, Thank you for doing the work that you do. I'm a strong believer in, you know, mental health and trying to eliminate the stigma surrounding that, and 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 that just happens to kind of tangentially apply to what's been going on with the Chicago Bears and Kareem Hunt. But before we get into those specifics, I wanted to just have you share a little bit more about your background, some of the people that you've worked with, and how and kind of what you do and how that might be different from like a traditional psychologist and just just kind of the nuance of you know being a social worker versus uh you know more traditional psychology type therapy sure well first of all i'm a licensed clinical social worker as you mentioned and it's a little bit different than psychology in that um i like to think of it this way a psychologist looks at the mind and looks at the person um and 
the social worker tends to look at the person in the environment. So it's just adding an extra layer to it. And both are, are very good perspectives and, and not to take away from psychology. Actually, my uncle um, is a practicing psychologist, so I have a lot of respect for um, psychology a, as well. And it was my minor. So there you go. But uh, yeah, it, it's um, it's a little bit different perspective to look at uh, treatment and, and look at uh, the world. I actually have worked in a lot of different backgrounds. Um, I first started working in um, a nursing home setting um, or long-term care facility uh, with dementia patients and really enjoyed that work. Um, it was it was good for me at that time, um, but then I ended up moving to North Carolina and uh, that particular opportunity just wasn't available for me there. So I ended up working for county social services, still doing work with geriatrics and um, helping them stay in their homes. And it was, that was really rewarding work. It was kind of the opposite of what I had done in my previous job of, um, you know, basically instead of putting them um, in the nursing home, I was helping them stay out of the nursing home and stay at home and, and stay in treatment there um, and get the things that they needed. So it was win-win for uh, everyone involved because um, it saved the government money to not have that person um, go to the nursing home. And it also helped um, the people to be able to stay in their home, which is what, what everyone wants to do. Um, after that, I ended up working uh, for a short time in a um, inpatient facility. And I just didn't really like that, that work. It just wasn't for me. So I wasn't there very long. And I ended up in a community mental health center after that. I learned a, a ton there. That was a really good experience for me because I, I got to be um, around just about every um, type of person you can imagine. I, I counseled um, people that were uh, schizophrenic. I counseled people that had, um, you know, backgrounds where they had murdered people. Um, and it really just taught me to have unconditional positive regard. And what I mean by that is just treating everyone with a sense of respect and dignity, no matter what they had done. And um, that's really the first time that I had practiced that um, and really had to, you know, kind of walk the walk if um, you look at it that way. So basically that was a really good experience for me and, and taught me a, a ton. And then um, I'm now in a, a setting where I work with geriatrics again, and I'm doing um, group therapy with them on an outpatient basis. Um, it's an intensive outpatient program. So they, they come three days a week and um, I see them and uh, we, we do group therapy and we do some individual therapy um, in between our group therapy. And uh, that, that's really rewarding work. I really love the company I work for currently. And um, that's kind of my background in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the detail there because it, you know, it's not about you know showing off what you've been able to do so far in your career, but really kind of showing how many different groups of people you've worked with and, and what kind of experience kind of backs up your perspective here. So up next, we'll apply Daniel's background and knowledge to the Kareem Hunt situation and see how it applies to the Chicago Bears. Keep it locked right here on Locked on Bears. We're here with Daniel Simpkins, a licensed clinical social worker and a fantasy football writer for footballguys.com. And Daniel, 
obviously you've worked with people with troubled pasts and troubled situations, and I, I particularly like this idea of the unconditional positivity and kind of valuing people as human beings, it's just kind of personally on a side note, I, I kind of tend to have the worldview that there aren't necessarily such things as good people and bad people, but just people who make good and bad decisions, and that doesn't necessarily shape who they are as human beings. And, and so I use that to kind of set up this Kareem Hunt situation, a player with uh, obviously a, a troubling video that comes out, a, a sad situation for everyone involved about uh, potential domestic abuse with uh, some women. I, I don't remember for sure if it was, uh, you know, a person who is his girlfriend or someone he's in any kind of relationship, but still an incident when he shoved and kicked a, a woman on video. And I know from your perspective, you know, we'll never have enough information on Hunt to be able to apply things specifically to his case. But I was hoping to just kind of ask you more generally, you know, from your experience working with people involved in domestic abuse, what are some of the typical underlying reasons? You know, you mentioned you kind of work with people based on their backgrounds and what they've been through. What are some of the common things that kind of tend that you tend to see lead to domestic abuse? That's a great question. And I, I can't pinpoint it to any one thing, but I can give you a, a lot of um, things that could contribute. So, um, you know, like you said, in Kareem Hunt's case, we don't really have enough details to pin that down or to know what that would be. But um, some common things that can can lead to that or, you know, maybe uh, past home environment. Um, you know, you never know that that wasn't something that Kareem Hunt may not have witnessed in his his past. Um, maybe seeing, you know, his father figure or um, his mother figure, you know, treat each other that way. Uh, so there, there's that. Sometimes there's home environment uh, considerations to look at. Uh, sometimes there's, you know, anger disorders where where people um, don't know how to deal with their anger or uh, deal with it maladaptively. And so they um, can explode and and have uh, a lot of uh, difficulty because of that and not knowing how to control their anger. Um, those are just a few things that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, and I mean, there are all all kinds of different scenarios we could go into, but those are just some of the things that came to mind for me. And it seems like with this Kareem Hunt situation, you know, I think even before he was connected to the Bears, you get, you got to end up getting a, a couple groups of people on either side where someone either doesn't care what he did, as long as he's not in jail, you know, he should be playing on my NFL team because he can help our team win football games. Or you have people on the other side that kind of say, you know, you know, he hit a woman, no matter what, he should be out of the NFL and, you know, maybe, maybe in jail or out of society or whatever. And I get the impression from what I've heard from you that you don't think either of those uh, mindsets are necessarily good or, or healthy. Why is that? Yeah. And I know that it's going to be a little bit of an opinion and a matter of opinion when it comes to this sort of thing. So um, I can respect other people's opinions of how it should go. But my feeling is that sometimes we go too far to one extreme or the other when we're looking at people and sometimes we're too lenient with them and sometimes we're too um, hard on them. And, 
I, I liked what you said at the beginning of the show that, you know, people are people and they make good and bad decisions. And I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that there aren't good people or bad people. There are people that, you know, like you said, make decisions and sometimes those decisions are good and sometimes uh, they mess up and sometimes people mess up bigger than, than other people. Um, and in this case, you know, I think we need to be, um, aware that, like I said before, there may be some circumstances that led up to this that we're not privy to, that um, it may have been part of his background and part of what he witnessed growing up. It could be that um, he's not learned to deal with his anger and, um, you know, he's got a lot of pent up anger over over things that he's not dealt with in his life. And um, that that came out here. So, you know, we need to really be careful that we don't slap a label on someone and just say, you know, we're not going to deal with you anymore. You're just ostracized and an outcast. I, I really believe that we need to, you know, definitely punish that person and there need to be repercussions for what they do. Um, you know, we can be enablers and we can be too lenient on someone, but at the same time, we can go too far the other direction where uh, we don't believe in rehabilitation or we don't believe in that person's ability to maybe get better and to learn and to grow. And I think that there is a real growth opportunity for Kareem Hunt here. And I am happy to hear that um, he sought out treatment. We don't know exactly what that treatment entails other than um, it was mentioned on ESPN when it was reported that it was counseling and therapy. So, you know, we, we can kind of conclude that he's maybe doing something like an um, inpatient program or an outpatient program uh, of some sort and maybe some therapy sessions on top of that. Um, we, we just really won't know unless he releases the details of his treatment, which um, that could go either way. But um, we definitely need to give people a chance to do better and not make it a one strike and you're out deal. Well, Bears coach Matt Nagy said something similar in the sense of, you know, he was raised to give people second chances, but not necessarily third chances. So still to come on today's podcast, we're going to look at how treatment might work for a player like Kareem Hunt and whether or not the Chicago Bears are aptly equipped to be able to evaluate his mental health and determine whether or not he's ready to join their football team. That's next on Locked On Bears. Again, we're talking with Daniel Simpkins, a fantasy football writer for Football Guys, focusing on IDP and Dynasty fantasy football, and also a licensed clinical social worker. And Daniel, I know when you talk about treatment for a player like Kareem Hunt, we're never going to know all of the details, and I think Kareem Hunt might be the only one who really knows everything that went on with this situation. But from your perspective, how how long does treatment take? I know it's going to be different for every situation, but I mean, is it... Is, are there cases of people really taking to it really quickly and being able to turn around? I mean, I mean, he, he, based on the timeline here, he, he didn't really get in trouble for this until November, so at the end of November, so he probably wouldn't have started treatment until December. So, I mean, do you think – Can you have you experienced cases where people could go through just a, a couple months of treatment and, and really make that quick of a turnaround, or is this the type of thing that has to be a long process, or, or can it be a process where – he undergoes treatment while still getting back in the NFL. 
Sure, that's a great question. And I do think that you can have quick turnaround. It does depend on the person and treatment's really an individualized thing. So a good clinician will sit down with a client and they'll look at their situation and they'll look at what's going on with them. And they're not going to set a time frame like, okay, we have to do this in six months or 12 months, typically speaking. Now, I do know that sometimes uh, clinicians are time limited because of payment and um, insurance and things like that. So there are those considerations, but probably in Hunt's case, he's going to get the resources that he needs without those limitations. So um, a good clinician will sit down with him and they'll make up a treatment plan and they'll work on those goals as long as it takes. And usually clinicians will say, I'm not going to give you a time frame. We're going to just work on this. We're going to see, you know, how you progress in treatment. And um, with my clients, that's how it is. We don't have a specific time frame that they're going to be in treatment. Some of my clients are only with our program for a few months. Some of my clients are only with our program for, you know, a few weeks and they, they get what they need and go. There are some of my clients, who have been with our program for years. And there are some of my clients who will probably be in treatment the rest of their lives in some capacity. Now, they may not be coming every day. Um, they may be coming every other day or two or three times a week, but um, they're they're getting scaled back a little bit and they're, they're having treatment, but it's for maintenance reasons. So it's hard to say what Hunt will need here, not knowing, again, all the specifics. But it's possible that, you know, he could begin to play football um, and do individual therapy. I know that there are a lot of players that probably um, have therapists and, you know, the pressure of the game is intense. It's a performance based business and uh, there's a lot of uh, different pressures that come up, you know, travel, being away from family, um, dealing with difficult people on your coaching staff and in your locker room and dealing with money and fame and all those things are really um, high pressure situations. So, you know, sometimes people need therapy just to be able to cope and deal with those situations. So, you know, you don't even have to necessarily do something horrible or bad that um, puts you in therapy. Sometimes people go to therapy as a way uh, to maintain and a way to, um, you know, stay healthy. So it's possible that Hunt, you know, does therapy and he's done with it and never goes back and sets foot in the therapist's office again. But it's also very possible that um, maybe through the course of treatment, his therapist finds that, you know, he's doing better, but he needs to continue to maintain and continue to see a therapist maybe after the acute treatment. So there's a lot of different possibilities here, but those are just, again, some things that that come up and um, that are are. Uh, a possible um, scenario for Hunt. And I know uh, the Bears head coach, Matt Nagy, told reporters that he had spoken on the phone with Hunt last week, just kind of checking in on him as a person, which I, I think is a, a good sign that there's some there's some confidence here. And I think Nagy had said as well that, you know, in his experiences with Hunt, that he's been, uh, you know, easy to w work with and be a good person and, a, a, you know, a person he's genuinely cared about. But uh, do you feel like teams, I mean, are able to properly identify and, you know, diagnose the progress of players coming from off-field incidents. I know the Chicago Bears do have a sports psychologist that at least works with them. I don't think she's like a full-time team employee, but 
more of like a consultant. But I guess uh, our, I, I know you can't necessarily comment on this specific psychologist, but like would someone who's more of a sports psychologist be able to gather enough information to make this type of evaluation on a free agent they might not have had of work with? Or, or what, what are some of the difficulties from a team perspective in evaluating a player like this? It would be difficult for, you know, the team psychologist to know without actually treating him. Um, I mean, definitely if Cream Hunt allowed that um, particular clinician that he's working with to speak to uh, the team psychologist and they shared information, that person could probably get a little bit of a picture of what's going on. Um, and that's certainly possible. And, you know, th- th- it's likely that Hunt will cooperate to some degree um, with any team that's interested in him and making sure that, um, you know, the the clinician that he's working with can you know, consult with the team a little bit, tell them what's going on, tell them what Hunt will need, tell them about, you know, his progress. So um, that's certainly a possibility. But uh, uh, again, we just we just don't know. But um, I would say just from the outside looking in, it would be really hard um, for a, a psychologist without getting specific information to be able to, you know, make a clinical decision. Well, Daniel, I know I've taken a lot of your time here. So just just to wrap up, are there any other misconceptions about this type of thing, whether it be, you know, domestic violence situations or or athletes dealing with off-the-field troubles or even just, you know, mental health counseling and, and how teams deal with that? I mean, is there anything that stands out to you that we haven't really talked about yet? I think that, you know, sometimes there is a stigma that goes with counseling. And I mean, it's just really in any area of life. But I think that it does get um, sometimes blown up for athletes because we think of um, these guys as being superhuman. We think of them as being invulnerable. And yes, they can do some great things that that me and you can't do um, physically, but emotionally, they're much more like everyone else. They're much more like me and you than we sometimes give them credit for. And so sometimes there's a stigma that, you know, seeking mental health treatment is weakness. And I think that sometimes you will have fans say things to that uh, effect. I think even when I've seen some of these stories about Kareem Hunt seeking mental health treatment, I've seen in the comment section, some people making fun and, you know, saying, you know, that's weak or, you know, that, that guy is just hopeless, you know, things like that. And the, the reality is all of us need help at some time. And the probability that you will end up in therapy in, at some point in your life is pretty high, actually. Um, there's just so many things that we go through in life that are traumatic. There are things that we go through that we struggle with. And sometimes those things, you know, can be handled and not need a clinician. But um, oftentimes at some point in our life, we'll experience depression or anxiety or, um, you know, loss of independence or a grief issue. And, and we need help. And I I think we need to, you know, be aware that people do need help and that there are um, lots of resources out there, thankfully now to go and get that help. But we also need to be careful that we don't stigmatize people that go for help. And I think that's really true of athletes that, yes, we idolize them and we put them on a pedestal, but we also need to realize they're people and they also need to seek treatment just like we do. Yeah, I 
cannot echo those thoughts stronger, especially in terms of fighting the stigma. And I hope even a conversation like this, that you know, someone listening might feel that much better, that much more willing to seek the help that they need. And I mean, I cannot recommend that type of thing enough. There, absolutely anyone who is in need of help should not think twice of getting the help that they need because it, it can be life-saving and, and certainly can turn people's lives around. And Daniel, I, I really appreciate you know, not only you coming on the podcast, but the work you do, you know, helping people with these types of issues and helping, you know, especially senior citizens. I know everyone's seen a grandparent that gets lonely and has to go through difficult times and you know, maybe not always to the extent that some of the people you've dealt with, but just incredibly relatable, I think. And I can't thank you enough for the work that you do. Well, I just really um, want to say for my clients, they're the ones who do the work. I know um, a lot of times people want to give the therapist the credit, but really, if you look at it, we're just guides. We're just trying to help them um, realize their potential and realize the things that they can do for themselves. And we guide them in, in that direction. So they're really the ones that do the work. And uh, that's certainly true of my treatment group that I'm working with right now. If any of you are listening, um, I really um, appreciate you. And I really think that um, we can make a difference in this world if we will stick together and help each other and uh, use that unconditional positive regard that we have um, to our full advantage. Well, just to steer it back to football one last time, can, can you let everybody know where they can find your work and in, in, on Twitter and all that good stuff? Yeah, on Twitter, I am at xfantasyphoenix, and uh, I am also at Football Guys, and just there by my name, Daniel Simpkins, um, doing a lot of uh, season-long work, doing a lot of Dynasty and IDP work there as well, uh, just do a little bit of everything there. So I uh, hope you'll follow me there and, and subscribe to Football Guys, and uh, also check out my Twitter where, where I'm pretty active. Well, Daniel is a Tennessee Titans fan, so we can uh, we can pity you a little bit and hope hope you'll get out of uh, football purgatory here in the near future. <laughs> I, I definitely hope so too, but I'm not counting on it. <laughs> well, thanks again to Daniel Simpkins for joining us on the podcast today. Really just, I think, an insightful and important conversation. And I, I thank you for listening to it. And I hope it can uh, have a, a positive impact in in your life as it did in mine. If you enjoyed our conversation and want to stick around for more daily Chicago Bears news and analysis, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Bears on whatever podcast streaming service you use. You can also join in the Bears talk on the Locked On Bears Facebook group. If you just go on to Facebook and search Locked On Bears group, you can request to join in and I will add you in to keep up with all of the conversation. We keep going right there on Facebook. We're really getting into the thick of the offseason here. The defensive coaching staff is starting to come together, so we'll break that down as it comes along. But no matter what happens this offseason, Locked On Bears will be here to help you bear down. <laughs>